0: Don't put
1: off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com
2: rs10 today. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and include some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. Our cases this week, two women around the same age, brutally murdered days apart and found a few hundred feet from each other. Coincidence? Or could the murders be linked? Police haven't released many details, but they are warning people not to walk alone. Clearly, there's at least one killer on the loose. But first, it is the definition of a snuff film, a pornographic movie of an actual murder. It's all unfolding in an Alaska courtroom. The key piece of evidence is a videotape the police say the killer made. He did this, police say, with one hand recording it all and the other strangling the woman and you can hear the killer say quote in my movies everybody dies police have charged the man with killing two alaska native women we are recording this on wednesday february 7th of 2024. our guest today is Jana monroe a former fbi investigator and profiler specializing in serial killers she's also the author of a memoir hearts of darkness serial killers the Behavioral Science Unit, and My Life as a Woman in the FBI, which is available now. Jana, welcome back to the podcast. We're so thrilled to have you with us today. Oh, Anna, thank you so much. It's my thrill to be with you. I um, When we saw these cases, we thought there's only one person that we could possibly have on this podcast to give us the insight and the background we need to comprehend what, what's unfolding right now. Well, thank you so much for thinking of me. Absolutely. So let's start with our first case out of Anchorage, Alaska. Now, just picking a jury for this case, which started this week has been an arduous process because of the graphic and disturbing nature of the evidence. You know, crime scene photos and videos are horrific to begin with and very, very hard for anyone to look at, but this is a different level of violence. And, and Jana, I don't know how you find a jury with a steel stomach to tolerate seeing what they're about to see.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's not only a steel stomach, a great way to put that, but it's also someone um, who's going to leave their judgment at the door. That's not going to whatever they've heard about. it. I know they're trying to find jurors who know very little about the case because that makes it much easier to not pass judgment. But for any information that they may have heard or uh, even slightly read about uh, just to leave that judgment at the door to have a fair trial. Hard to do. Very hard to do in this
2: case. Very hard even to report this case. Prosecutors say the accused is 52-year-old Brian Stephen Smith. They say he recorded himself torturing and killing a woman in a hotel room. They said that he held the camera with one hand. And then he strangled her with the other. I think the fact that there is documentation here, which of course the defense is challenging, I I can't imagine a stronger piece of evidence. The victim here is 30 year old Kathleen Henry, an indigenous woman. And in an unexpected twist, while Brian Smith was being questioned by police about her, police say that he admitted to killing another native Alaskan woman 52 year old Veronica Abuchak this is the part that's that's so stunning that he just volunteered this while he's in the bathroom it's like you know hey guys you still want to keep talking let me make you famous here I got something else to tell you how unusual is that
0: well and I actually, in my experience previously in working with that, I'm, I'm just going to refer to him as a serial killer. We don't know that to be a fact yet, but um, it's not that unusual. And what that is, it's the ego. It's his ego taking taking control of himself. And uh, I think I'd mentioned previously when we were doing our research and um, speaking and interviewing serial killers uh, that were you know already apprehended and convicted and the FBI could offer them nothing not a stay of execution, not a better prison, no better food. And what we appealed to was their ego Uh, to, you know, saying to them, you were so excellent at what you did. We need to learn from you. We don't know. And it would really appeal to them. Yes, yes, I am smarter than you. And oh, by the way, you know, I've done X, Y and Z. Also, it was not unusual during that time frame for confessions or at least to tell a story about another victim, which we weren't even aware of.
2: That is very disturbing and it's very, very scary about serial killers. I wanna start with Kathleen Henry's murder. Um, This is the one which police say was videotaped. And in order to understand, I believe this case, I wanna back into it as to how police obtained the video because it is the video tells the story even though the defense is denying the validity of the the video to me this is the most interesting twist because if this video had not been handed in i am not sure we would be at the place we are right now in an
0: attempt to get justice because it is so descriptive yeah i completely agree with you it's extreme it's descriptive it's detailed you've got an interaction between an alleged offender and a victim, it's extremely condemning evidence and it really tells a story. Yeah. So police say then that in September of 2019, a sex worker
2: who remains unnamed came forward with an SD card. Those were those small square digital, um, memory cards that we use, let's say in camcorders. I know we don't use them a ton, but, but, for those of you who may not know what we're referring to. So the woman says that a man, a truck driver, picked her up and they were in the cab of his truck and that he left to get cash to pay her. And that when he did that, she says, she took the SD card, the memory card, out of his console. She says, she then looked at it. And when she saw what it was, she turned it over to police. But it was a one week lag from the time she took the item until she handed it over to police and this will be part of the defense's argument here. It's the lag. And again, the defense is claiming it's not an authentic video. Maybe it was tampered with. Um, and we'll get to that a little later. So the one thing that stood out about the suspected killer here and Brian Smith is that both have distinctive South African accents. This is key here. Brian was born in South Africa. He immigrated to Alaska and he married a local woman, Stephanie Bisland. Now back to the SD card and video. Again, remember the accent. Police received a call from a woman on September 30th of 2019 who claimed that she had found the memory card on the ground and that it contained evidence of a homicide. She said the SD card was labeled homicide at midtown marriott when pressed by police police say she then admitted no i didn't find it i got it from the ins i stole it from the console of a a truck a client's truck while he was getting cash the woman is known to police because she's been arrested previously Uh, at the time she was homeless very important to also consider this the two victims here also homeless jana do you see anything here that stands out to you
0: oh absolutely you look at the commonalities of the victims i think um i know you're not asking me this but the reason there there could be several reasons that she hesitated everything you're mentioning she has a police record she's with a we could call it a a potential client so she's doing the same thing that she's been arrested before um she's stealing something she by her own admission she was you know she didn't find it that's what she said initially so she's stealing she's lying um and then the horrific nature of what was on that um that to me had to send a chill up, up her and, and like how do I give this to the right people at the same point in time and then I'm sure she was in fear for her her own safety I mean, there are a lot of dynamics with her turning that in and understanding what it was she actually had as as a piece of potential evidence.
2: Oh, all of those things. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. Police say that the memory card
2: contains 39 images and 12 videos depicting the torture, murder, and then the disposal of Kathleen Henry. According to authorities, on one video, Kathleen is seen naked, on the floor while trying to fight a man off who is savagely beating her you can see the man stomping on her throat and then saying quote you need to f and die bitch the man in the video has a distinct accent and then he says this to me is the most chilling i'm mean, it's all horrific but okay. but this one is is particularly troubling he says in my movies Everybody always dies. What are my followers going to think of me? People need to know when they are being serial killed.
0: That is absolutely chilling. And to your point, okay, we're in Alaska. I don't know. I didn't look up any statistics. How many people has, have a South African accent in Alaska? I don't think we're going to have a lot, right? No. Um, that, that's just a guess. But also the comments he made, he said, in my movies, He didn't say in this movie which maybe indicates a first or an only he said in my movies which is plural which has the innuendo that there are others that there have been other movies before this and that in all of them everybody dies who's in his movie um and to use self-proclaim i think he made that up serial killed I, i don't think that's real but he in is calling himself uh are referring to himself as a serial killer so just in those those three sentences um it's very revealing that uh he is saying that he has committed murders before
2: do you think that this is all fantasy jenna or do you fear that there could be other victims and it's not just fantasy it's he's speaking truth
0: from my experience, and then I'm speculating on this, it is it's gone beyond fantasy because he acted this out. So the fantasy of maybe he has killed before, if that's what you're referring to. Yes. Yes. I'd be highly suspicious that it's not fantasy. And, and let me tell you why um, the way he just said it. OK, and those three succinct mannerisms and the fact that the manner in which he allegedly killed this victim Uh, which is, again, with one hand using the other to video, that's a lot of um, photos and video. And typically, those type of killers go back and relive it time and time again. It's their trophy, if you will. Trophies are different now than they used to be because of technology. When they didn't have videos for things, you'd find Polaroid pictures, but you'd find them hidden all over the place, fingerprints all over them, worn um, all the indications that they were looked at numerous times um and in, and having conversations with serial killers that's what they would say they took a trophy or whatever momentum helped them relive the case as much as possible and live it in the moment that they could Feel, for those of those who can feel, well, you're looking at a lot of sociopaths, and relive the case. And to each one, it's different. Some, it's a piece of writing, a piece of hair, a smell, photos. But now with, with videos, uh, you're able to totally relive it and see yourself literally in the picture.
2: As far as we know, police have not said that they have found any other videos or photos. Uh, that doesn't mean that they didn't, but I'm a little concerned that if they had, they probably would have said something because they're looking for other victims. So I don't know if that means that he, you know, disposes of them after a while. This was a fairly fresh kill because there wasn't a lot of lag from the time the SD card was stolen, turned over to police, and then they figured out it all happened within a month or so.
0: And I'd be very surprised if he disposed of them, could put them on another form of medium, could have hidden them other places. If there are other victims, it could be in hiding places uh, that others aren't aware of that he hasn't disclosed. But um, I highly doubt if he disposed of them.
2: I remember there's a serial killer case that I worked here in Los Angeles, the Grim Sleeper case this is someone who um he turned out to be a garbage guy a trash collector and his victims we didn't know this at the time he would often put his victims in trash bins in the alleyways of south la and then he goes dormant for a very long time a very long time and then ultimately through um, family dna there was a hit and police re well it's not that they reopened the case because they had always been looking for this serial killer and then they finally trace it back he's been convicted finally trace it back to this man who was a retired garbage collector in los angeles and his trophies were um polaroids he would take a polaroid of every one of his victims now there was one victim she survived she got away he he she it's a miracle she survived and and they authorities they took his house apart and they were finding the Polaroids for all his other victims but they hadn't found her and I remember the prosecutor saying to me because you know you need search warrants for all of this not only do you have you know, the homicide team and the investigators from the LAPD. But you have prosecutors standing there on site. It is that big of a case. And how they stood there. And at one point they said, tear every wall apart, every single wall in the garage. And there, stuck between the drywall of the garage and the other wall was the Polaroid of the one who survived and got away. I'll never forget that
0: moment. Oh, of course not. And as you and I, I think, spoke last time about details, the smallest of details you cannot overlook. And what you just described, I, I was going to mention in some of these cases, you'd be shocked at the great lengths they go to hide these things. And just a, a cursory search, you're not going to find them. They've been um, extremely innovative in the ways that they have gone to to hide these things.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm hopeful that the authorities in alaska are continuing their search i hope they haven't given up just because they have this this man in custody again innocent until proven guilty and despite his alleged confessions to authorities he has pleaded not guilty so we have to keep all of that in perspective so according to police the killer after he murders allegedly murders this woman, Kathleen, he puts the body, and this is all from videos and everything, puts the body on a luggage cart. You know, those big ones with the gold brass arches that you push through. He covered her body with a blanket, then rolled her body out to a truck. The woman who turned in the video to police, she said she recognized the pattern of the carpeting. So based on the timestamps of the video and the images, police believe that they were recorded between September 4th and September 6th of 2019 at the town place suites by Marriott. Police say they can place Brian Smith at the hotel between September 2nd and 4th. So there's some overlap there. Jana, why in the world would you check
0: into a hotel under your name if you are going to commit this murder? I think, uh, again, we'll go to ego, uh, going to someone who's arrogant, someone who believes that he's not going to get caught because he's smarter. He's smarter than the police, uh, doesn't think much of law enforcement and probably. And this is no disrespect, because I know people from Alaska state troopers, but they've got excellent law enforcement there. But you look and they say, oh, Alaska, someplace out of the middle of nowhere, they probably don't have trained people. I think he totally uh let his arrogance underestimate uh law enforcement and what could happen so they believe that images of Kathleen's lifeless body on the back
2: of a truck were recorded on September 6 which means this crime was committed over several days he's in the hotel room starting September 2nd the murder And then the disposal happens over from September
0: 4th to the 6th. That's a fairly long period of time. Right. And I I would want to I wonder, let's just put it that way. If he had not uh, selected a site, which is, you know, not that many killers do that. That was a Ted Bundy thing he selected the site before he um, selected the victim and killed her. So in something like this, he's I think he's probably spending time uh, with the deceased. I mean, this now is speculation on my part. Uh, We could be looking at postmortem activity, postmortem sexual activity. Um, However, if that did take place, I would think there would be photos or some filming of that, too for him to relive. So I think potentially a combination of that and deciding where uh, and what he's going to do with the body would account for some of that time.
2: Oh, this is the reason for those of you who are watching, the reason that I was grimacing and this is making me so uncomfortable. There's a serial killer in Louisiana out of Baton Rouge that I covered. And um, it's very disturbing. I mean, obviously all serial killers are disturbing, but Jana, this was you know, years after he had been arrested and everything. And um, we did the interview in his home. His girlfriend at the time still lived there. They even had the car out in the back, the car that he would pick up his victims with. And um, I'm just sharing, you know, just things as a reporter. And so, you know, I'm very uncomfortable in there. Um, The kitchen is where he washed and dismembered Body parts, just incredibly uncomfortable, right? And so I had to use the bathroom. I'd been there a long time. I tried, you know, I'm just in one of these, (laughs) like, I just want to get out of here, right? And so I swear to you, I'm in the bathroom and I'm overwhelmed by a feeling, I can't explain it. I just, I feel very ill and I'm overwhelmed by a feeling in the bathroom. The next day I'm interviewing the cops on this case, right? And that's when the cop says to me oh he's you know telling me about the case he said well one of the victims he cut her hands off and he took her into the bathroom the hands and was playing with the hands and caressing the hands i had no idea i swear to you i had no idea and i was like oh my god i felt so ill 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 in that bathroom i mean you could say i felt ill in the entire home
0: right but this concept of cutting off the hands and then playing with it and just like ugh. you know you probably tapped into that what we call that another one of the senses right that everybody has that internal voice that little feeling that the the hairs on the back of your neck are sticking up you had that and you couldn't articulate it to yourself you didn't know why um and I you know I would fathom uh to speculate on that one that you were sensing that you were definitely you don't know what it was but something Something wrong, uh, evil would be a better word, but something had taken place there.
2: Oh, it was so disturbing. And then when the police Mm -hmm. officer told me about the hands in the bathroom, I was just like, I had to really compose myself because, again, it made me very ill. But let's get back to to this case. Oh, Janet, so interesting talking to you. (laughs)
0: Likewise,
2: thank you. (laughs) Very few people I could have these conversations with because they're... (laughs) very disturbing
0: well they are and let me just throw in one tidbit here i had a, a case when you're talking about hands it brought it all back to me someone else who had severed hands all a lot more body parts but was obsessed with hands and he confessed that uh, he kept the hands for up to a week he kept them on ice and he would uh give them a manicure he he liked giving manicures i mean that i never encountered that before or since actually
2: interesting
0: Oh my god this is all just so fascinating
2: so kathleen's body was found a few days after police were given the videotape so her body was found on october 2nd so remember the case begins september 2nd october 2nd she's found police have said that brian's distinctive south african accent was how they identified him because the officers They've said this, but they haven't elaborated. They said they remembered him from a previous case, but police have not told us what that case is and why. Why are they holding back on this?
0: What I would imagine, and I know in in my law enforcement career with the police and the FBI, there are bits and sometimes tidbits there again key details of something you don't want to release or reveal, because those are things that would only be known by the killer are only be known by a very small circle of people. So you keep that confidential or you keep that information limited. It's going to be really key if someone then um, speaks up about it or has information on it. And that's typically why things aren't released, because otherwise, as you know, releasing things to the community when you want eyes and ears uh, that expand things, it's an excellent tool and an excellent help to law enforcement. So I would imagine there is something there that's going to be uh, only something that the killer would would know or be aware of.
2: Police say they confirm that Brian was a registered guest at the hotel around the time of the murder and that he worked as a truck driver. They say that the truck in the video appears to match his black Ford Ranger. They say his cell phone data places Brian's cell phone at the location where the body was found. Authorities apprehended Brian at the Anchorage airport on October 8th. He was arrested and charged on first degree murder. Now, here's where the case takes yet another twist. And we alluded to it at the top of this. While he is talking to police in the bathroom, he tells them, quote, I'm going to make you famous. And that's when, according to authorities, he claimed to have killed another woman sometime in 2017 or 2018. And he told them where they could find her remains. And he also said that he had shot her in the head he was able to identify the victim say police based on a photo that they showed him of veronica Abuchak. now i want to get back to the i'm going to make you famous okay um we've heard this before from some wannabe serial killers right who have admitted and um they're incarcerated and they go through massive distractions and attention getting to say I'm going to make you famous. They call up their arresting officer and they tell them and the whole world stops, pays attention to them. And the whole thing is all a lie that they never killed this person. And then there are those who are the true killers who say this thing. I am fascinated about the fact I'm going to make you
0: famous, right? It's about you, not me. W- what do you read into this? What I read into that is just what you're talking about, too, that that ego, he considers himself prolific he's a killer he's smart and when it comes out um i I think it's a teasing thing what he the innuendo there is he's killed others and when they find out all of his crimes this officer will be famous because he's going to be the the one that arrested him and that was just the literally the tip of the iceberg when they find out some of the other cases but you're correct and when i was in the fbi we had um it was a rotation where you had day shift night shift duty and you'd take the walk-ins and you'd get these people that would come and confess to a murder that was high profile in the area and they'd already they'd already apprehended the offender but we'd get you know anywhere from 10 to 20 people within a 6 week time frame that came in and confessed to it and then when you'd ask for details of course they were all over the place or they would only recite what had been made public in the paper you know or on TV so that why, would part's not unusual. That? Why, why would someone <laughs> confess to a crime that they didn't commit? You know, it is amazing how many people want attention, be it good or bad. I mean, having even negative attention is better than not existing. I mean, it's why do people write their name on bathroom walls? It's like I exist. Uh, why do people, you know, get into, into gang members? I belong. It's it's that same sense of wanting to be seen and heard, but not knowing how to do it. And then, of course, you add some sickness into some of the others, and it takes a whole different turn.
2: Yeah, that kind of attention, right? Most people do not want, you know, no. to claim that you have killed someone. That, that's a okay. whole other level. So what this alleged confession about this other killing, about Veronica's murder, what this revealed for me is also disturbing because, I'm sorry, it, it shows um, a massive mistake blunder sloppiness i don't know what you're going to call it on the part of the alaska state troopers because they made a terrible mistake identifying veronica's body when a body of a woman was found they found id that belonged to veronica and so it was just assumed and never verified that the woman whose body was found dead turns out it wasn't veronica and we didn't find this out until this man brian smith allegedly confesses to killing veronica which very
0: much upsets me for a lot of reasons you're right for a lot of reasons and there's no way to candy coat that i think sloppy would be the nicest yeah yes that that you could be. I mean, and when you say the word assume, there is no there are no assumptions in law enforcement, detective, and investigative work. No assumptions. You have to validate and verify everything. And in, in my experience, it's been um I don't want to say amazing, but very much you've uncovered other things when you do that. You know, so a little piece of it, well, who's that? Well I, I think it was that you think you think it was you you don't know it was how did you you know verify it That's why when you have cold cases, cases that uh, not that the uh, law enforcement has stopped working, but that there's no more leads. Right. When you go back over that with new optics or a new set of eyes, that's why it's typically so effective, because you will find that some assumptions have been made. There's just no room for that in law enforcement.
2: No, there isn't. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the victims here are native indigenous women from small villages Women who were had a lot of challenges in their lives, they were homeless, and the fact that no one bothered to double check, yeah, what woman had been murdered and why. By not double checking means you for sure are not investigating her death, you for sure are not looking for her killer. And to this day, the Alaska state troopers have not been able to explain how and why this happened. But I believe that they were just discarded like everybody else, just discarded. Yeah.
0: You know, it it truly does um, break my heart when there are so many people like that. I've worked so many where the, the victims are, they're treated like trash or something. It's like, well, nobody knows who they are. There's nobody asking for them um, and, and not treated like, in my opinion, a human being. The like that it should be, so they don't have name recognition. They're not a high, you know, in some some um, pro high-profile career where people know them. There shouldn't be an inequity in how you treat human life. That's no. that's my opinion.
2: And Veronica's family had reported her missing.
0: Yes, yes. So but there was no one uh, actively working that.
2: No, no. That's what this case revealed about another woman's murder. It's 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 just just horrific so here's the thing so now keep in mind brian is allegedly confessing to killing veronica right and then we'll later find out that the body that they recovered was never veronica was her id but it wasn't her because brian in his alleged confession because now he denies having made it tells police i shot her in the head and here's where i dumped her body and they found the skull with a bullet hole and then they finally did the forensics to definitely match to make sure that this second body that they've now
0: found is indeed that of veronica yeah ab- absolutely and i some of the other serial killer cases if you recall ted bundy you know one of the most prolific when he was arrested uh, and he basically said when he was being processed in the jail, he kept pointing up. That's when they had the big pictures of like the the FBI's most wanted, the top ten, that sort of thing. There's his picture. But he was so um emaciated. He was much thinner than he had been in the photo. And he didn't say something like, I'm going to make you famous' But he goes, You better figure out who I am. And he kept pointing up to the picture. And he basically had to tell them, who he was and it's it's like some of the other more prolific ones when you look at edmund kemper he had to turn himself in because he said i will not stop killing and you can't seem to apprehend me so i'm going to turn myself in he was sorry later um <laughs> but he, and i think that's what we're looking at here too that and the ego like i said to for him to confess to that and then to actually find the body that's kind of irrefutable evidence that's going to be a, an interesting one uh totally for the legal system oh yeah i i there's exactly
2: logic prevails here. Yeah. So despite his alleged confession, Brian, of course, as we've said, maintains his innocence. He has pleaded not guilty to a total of 14 charges, including first and second degree murder, sexual assault and tampering with evidence. Now, Brian's defense attorney has tried unsuccessfully to get that SD card, all those videos and images tossed out. He claims that the police cannot verify that they are, are that they are authentic, that they haven't been tampered with. And also this concept of chain of custody, meaning the SD card was missing for a week and in someone else's hands, so then how do police know for sure because they are not the ones who found the, the memory card. So the judge has ruled that it stays and that chain of custody and origin and all of that will be testified to by the woman who says she stole it and turns it into police done
0: uh, it seems pretty
2: reasonable to me
0: it seems reasonable to me too but as you well know there are courts and there's going to be judges that disagree um so it'll be interesting to see where this goes but I think uh what they're telling us as far again as that length of time and it was missing and what could have been happening all of that makes a lot of sense
2: Yeah, of course. Yes. Could it have been tampered with? But I think we're at the point now where you have um, experts in um, forensics, digital forensics to determine whether something has been tampered with can verify it. I mean, come on now.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's just amazing. I get excited about this. I attended a conference last well, excited and, and brightened about AI. Mm-hmm. And and the capabilities of AI. And this was like not only in law enforcement, but in art and having AI paint things and authenticate it instead of people and how they've got people trying to change the laws on that now. And it was just amazing. But... When you look at this suspect and in this area, uh, it would be very surprising if he were that sophisticated and had AI doing this and taking it all and that, or she did, you know, after the fact. But even if that were, there are ways to uh, verify whether that has been tampered with or not. Yeah, exactly.
2: So jury selection began this week. Um, Again, very hard to identify people with the fortitude to handle this. We believe that today is when opening statements will start in earnest. We don't know how long this trial will be. The defense also asked that the courtroom be sealed and locked off during the time that the evidence will be shown from the SD card. And the judge said no we will do our best to protect that those images and videos do not get released however the public has a right to be here and hear this case so you know I I don't want to see that I don't want to hear it I understand but again these things must cannot be done always under the cover of darkness or we cannot have confidence in
0: our judicial system Absolutely. I I totally agree with you. Uh, But again, it's very important that they take precautions that somebody's not recording it. And, you know, yeah, they do what they can, but that's that's critical. But I agree with you. It's that fine line because you want the trust of people and you want them to see and understand how our system works.
2: Brian's wife, Stephanie Bisland, has remained tight lipped since her husband's arrest, claiming that she doesn't want to comment before the trial she gave a tiny brief statement to the Alaskan news source saying, quote, I don't think
0: he did it. OK, well, there you go. As you, as you know, that, that is not exactly a real powerful statement. <laughs> I don't think he did it. I, I don't think. I don't think. Yeah, you can put in the collection, I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. I mean, I think she was pressed for something to say. Um, On that. And I don't know how much homework she did before marrying this guy or what indications she has seen. I'm not going to go so far as say about any culpability, but there is there is something you you can't live with someone like that who doesn't display some kind of of aberrant behavior. But a lot of times pe- the naive or the people who want to stay with someone, you see that a lot in abuse cases will slough it off as to, oh, that's just how he is, or that's just a quirk or something idiosyncratic. But she has to be aware of, of something and I'm sure does not at this point want to get involved.
2: If convicted, Brian will face 99 years behind bars. That seems kind of short, but um, we'll see. <laughs> it
0: does to me, too. <laughs>
2: Yes, absolutely. We will be watching this case for sure. Our next case is out of Indiana where two women of similar age have been murdered days apart from each other and their bodies found very close to each other. The murders have police baffled and an entire community frightened. The victims are 58-year-old Shannon Lasser and 52-year-old Marianne Weiss. Two white women in their 50s found dead less than a week apart. The women's bodies were discovered less than a three-minute walk from each other on the exact same road. So police say that there is no evidence connecting the two. They have admitted to a quote number of commonalities and that they're warning people not to walk alone until they find the killer or killers. I don't know what to make of this. We we wanted to include this one because, you know, when police are warning everyone, please don't walk alone. and it, police have not verified the manner of death, but the family members of one of the women says that they that she was stabbed to death. And then the police have said that the, without describing the manner that there are similarities in how they were killed, Jana, what do you make of this?
0: Well, I think what we're looking at here is uh, the length analysis, trying to make that link. Are we looking at the same offender? I think their age is not as relevant as I don't know what the demographics are for that area, but there could be a lot of white women, period. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were so close together in that. And I say the age is not as relevant because it could be more their vulnerability, they appeared vulnerable. I read somewhere one of them uh, had potentially been drinking. Um, if, if you do look like you're, you're older or not paying attention, you're walking alone, single female, that makes you more vulnerable. So again, not one could have been 62 and 132 to me. And that would could have been very similar circumstances. But the fact that if they are or were both stabbed uh, together and in that area and so close together would certainly lead me to believe that it's more than a coincidence yeah and, and, and stabbing again is an up close and personal way to kill uh shooting that that says something about the killer and that interaction with the victims i'm, I'm not saying that i think he knew them because right now uh, at least as far as i know there's no indication that they knew each other that the victims sure. knew each other right yeah so um, i would not make a quantum leap to say that the killer um knew both of them by any stretch but I think they were targeted as being vulnerable and I do think that the more evidence they find on this they're going to find more linkage so two weeks ago on January 27th
2: Shannon was found dead near a strip mall across the street from where she lived her body was discovered outside of a dental practice on the 2200 block of North Mithoffer Road by an employee from a neighboring business found her at about 9 a.m. While police have not announced her manner of death, Shannon's son spoke with media outlets and he said that his mother had been stabbed to death. Shannon's family said that she left home about 1030 or 11 that night, the night before, and that she said that she was going to walk up to the gas station. The children indicated she may have been drinking. Um, It's also important, Shannon was deaf And she had moved to the area three years ago with her children from Seattle to Indianapolis. You mentioned something about being vulnerable. Now, very high functioning um, and communicative people who do not have hearing. Um, So that may or may not have had anything to do with it. She may not have heard someone coming up behind her, but she certainly, all her other senses, would have sensed someone. Um, Does that add to the vulnerability factor?
0: Yeah, and I think it does in that, yes, you can sense some things, but hearing is very important. And when I do um, situational awareness presentations, that's one of the first things I say, do not wear headphones uh, when you're out walking because you're, yes, yes. don't do that. I don't care if it's noon, it doesn't matter, but it's you know, 11 o'clock at night, but she wouldn't have that advantage anyway. So I I think um, that that also would have added to her vulnerability if someone approached from behind. Yeah,
2: I stopped doing that a very 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 long time good.
0: ago. Good. Yeah, good.
2: You you can't hear anyone coming up yeah. behind
0: you. you and you know the other thing too is um not just hear but you can even sensing the vibrations and something let's just say somebody's running behind you and the pounding. If you're listening to now she was deaf so she would have a little bit more of that sensory awareness. But if you're listening to music, you're not even going to feel or sense that. So it really really distracts.
2: Very much so. Now, five days later on February 1st, Marianne Weiss is discovered murdered. Her body was found on the 2100 block of North Midhofer, Same road, literally separated by a parking lot. That's how close they were found. She was found between a Dollar General store and a laundromat. Her body was only a couple hundred feet from the strip mall where Shannon's body was found. So, again, a parking lot between them. That's not a big distance. And the same street. It's not like, um, you know, you could say a different street. It's not trying to read too much into it, but this is why um, people are so worried in this area. Police have not said how Marianne was killed. So we, again, do not know.
0: Yeah, that makes it very—there are so many— facts or or so many evident parts of this case that are missing to say anything any more conclusively. And like how many stab wounds were there in the first victim? What's the second? Was there any sexual component to it? Were they completely clothed? I mean, there's just a lot of things that are missing regarding the interaction between the victim and the killer. And I think in a case like this, probably in that area, it has been uh big news but it's not been widespread so typically when you look at copycats i'm going with the link analysis here when you go with a copycat the motivation there is because it's been a very high profile highly publicized case and one of those type of people that we talked about earlier that just wants the notoriety and the publicity they would do a copycat i don't see that happening in this case
2: so police So far, say they have not been able to link any direct evidence connecting the two crimes, though they have noted some commonalities, which could indicate a pattern of a killer or killers. Again, we don't know, but police have said killed in the same manner
0: yeah that they're, they're being very cautious those words are quite measured um yeah. because the same manner that the conclusion that most people would draw well then they've both been stabbed then that might that's not what they're saying though so uh, it's very very challenging to make any more of it because you certainly do not want to read between the lines and make evidence where there isn't any
2: correct and we're not trying to it's just right this right. is a very unusual um it's just it's a little bit unusual you know two bodies found so close together um in the same area
0: and if they were indeed stabbed um very very frightening so mm
2: -hmm.
0: I would would agree with with law enforcement that's when you do put out a public announcement don't go walking alone don't go at night you know have precautions it's that fine line you don't want to be an alarmist but you want people to be aware Mm -hmm.
2: so police have added extra patrols to the area they say they're checking the forensic evidence now to see if there's any link between the two Uh, shannon's adult children have spoken with reporters and they shared that she was a wonderful mother and a grandmother and the son has said that there is one very weird and evil person out there absolutely you know his mother was taken from him police have asked businesses and residents in the area to please check their um, security videos to see if there was anything at around the time of these incidents that may have captured the women walking or anything else and Fox 59 is reporting that police have investigated 26 homicides on the East side of Indianapolis since the beginning of last
0: year and only three are solved so yeah that's disconcerting right there uh when you look at that record again not placing you know blame fault anything but that that record is not a really good track record and as you well know when the uh right after a case a homicide has occurred those are the most important times the first couple of days weeks and maybe even a month because unfortunately something else happens and then law enforcement is pulled to address that and unless you've got active leads that continue to take you on that trail uh, there is always a risk that case will become a cold case
2: and so maybe there is no connection here with these two murders but perhaps this is focusing a lot of attention on what is happening in this area and and how much of police resources and attention are being committed to focusing on these murders. That's
0: a lot of people who are dead. Absolutely. Right. And you would think uh, that that, those are priority cases. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you only have limited resources in a a department, that means other things, uh, maybe property crimes or some other things are going to be more at risk because you're putting your resources on your priorities. So
2: people and family members and friends, they have been placing flowers and items of remembrance at the two places where the women were killed. Families and friends have held vigils and balloon releases. Um, We'll keep an eye on this and and see if any more information comes out on the forensics to shed any light on whether these two women were killed by one person
0: and or not. Yeah, it's a very sad case, but you're right. The forensics are going to be the answer. It is time for
2: our comment section. These are the crime cases you all are talking about on social media. And here's our producer,
1: Will Updike. Hey, Will. Hey, Anna, how's it going? Good. Good to see you, Jana. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so this week we have uh, sex sounds, a Bible study, and an alleged prostitution bust. This case comes out of San Diego, California, where police say they've uncovered a prostitution ring after receiving complaints from the neighbors of uh, of adjoining massage parlors. So this kind of comes out of like a strip mall. There's allegedly these two massage parlors. Right next door, there's a Bible study that opened with uh, (laughs) some members who are minors. So let's talk a little bit about these two massage parlors. Pretty odd that they're both in the same strip mall, open right next to one another. One is called Ocean Spa, and the other one is Health Station. Now, police have allegedly been investigating the owners of both of these businesses and their associates since 2018 because they had... Believe it or not, another massage parlor um, it, under a different name. And so that previous investigation on this this older one with the owners, there were again, there were similar complaints. Right. There was foot traffic coming and going at all hours of the night's employees in, in, in what was described as as very sexually explicit clothing. Um, so officers ran a sting operation on, on that massage parlor. They allegedly received offers for sexual services for an additional fee. So that was shut down in 2019. Now, later that same year, a relative of the owners of that shutdown spa started a new parlor, that is Ocean Spa, uh, in this new strip mall. And then the owners of that shutdown parlor want to get in on the action in this strip mall, I guess, they opened their own uh, new parlor. So we have health So competing, these are competing well it's a family i my understanding is it's kind of a family business it's all okay. it's, it's okay. all sort of associated here yes um so they opened that second parlor in 2021 so we had these simultaneous uh, massage parlors operating in the same strip mall and then a year later in 2022 they get some new neighbors a uh bible study opens a little uh a business right next door to these adjoining massage parlors god uh, works and, in
2: mysterious ways people
1: <laughs> yes yes uh and so according to uh, a <laughs> a complaint the Bible study group uh did have some some members who were minors allegedly they were propositioned by some of the female employees of the parlors to uh come over um and you know you can kind of imagine this Bible study group is trying to do their thing they're constantly hearing the sounds of like moaning things that pretty clearly <laughs> seem kind of like sexual sounds I mean you can yeah you get the gist right but you know, maybe, maybe it's just a really good massage, right? Like maybe, it, you know, <laughs> maybe you're just, you're just really relaxed. You're, you're making some mm-hmm. odd sounds, but apparently it, it wasn't just sounds that they got complaints of students claim that on one occasion, they saw people having sex in a truck in broad daylight in oh the parking oh. lot. And in another incident, there was allegedly a rocking vehicle uh, direct mm. quote there from the complaint that was parked two spots away from one of the students who was just sitting in their car waiting for the, the Bible study to, yes. uh, to, to to start or whatever. Um, now, uh, authorities are, are, are taking this very seriously. Kind of worried that some of these female employees, you know, might have been working against their will. So they've asked the court to shut down um, both of these parlors. And the owners of the parlors have been fined $100,000, plus, interestingly, any other in expenses which are incurred in the course of the investigation. So no criminal charges have been pressed yet, but the investigation is ongoing, um, and media outlets try to reach out to the owners of these massage parlors. They were not available for comment, so we'll have to see what ends up happening there. But, wow, what a way for your business to, um, to, to get uncovered there. Um, I'm... I'm just imagining. It's well, just the what last you thing talking... you're expecting, I guess, at a Bible study, right?
0: Well, yeah. Plus, you're talking about the tenacity of the family business. They're shut down, and they start another one, and then somebody else start one. So they were undaunted by their uh, original being shut down.
1: Yeah, yeah. You would think maybe you'd go with a different cover, like maybe it's a nail salon now or something. Oh,
2: okay. So where yeah. I get my nails done, <laughs> I go to a nail There's salon in Pasadena. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) right. Okay. so there's a parking lot in the back. It's a small building. It's a massage parlor and then the nail salon. So I park one day in the back. It's hard to get these spots. There's only four spots. And then this woman comes out the back of the massage parlor and she's wearing a very short, tiny red dress. (laughs) And I'm like, that's an interesting thing to wear. Yes. Uh, at a massage parlor on a Sunday morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe that's the required uniform. I don't know. You know, it maybe, could be. Maybe it just it's there to put the clients at ease. I, yeah, I don't just,
2: know. Yeah, so just saying it kind of is like everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. You're right. Uh, yeah. But people thought this one was uh, pretty ironic. Um, okay then said massage parlor in a church in one building. Sounds like a two-in-one special. Um, yeah i i I don't know uh la nelson thought maybe there's kind of a cycle going on here they said i'm sure the church brought a lot of customers uh to their neighbors and vice versa the idea being maybe you're guilty you go to bible study the the, the next time you know and then it's just it's just sort of a loop there um can't say for sure uh louise makeup art said hallelujah in more ways than one Zero left ended this one uh, with the closest thing we got to a good pun, and uh, they said strip malls. Am I right, folks? <laughs> Classic dad joke. Love it. Um, yeah, this, this was a wild. Back to Bonville. yes exactly exactly um yeah so unclear where this is all gonna go but we'll keep our eyes on it and update anybody if we get anything good um that is gonna do it for this week's comment section thank you so much to everybody who left those you can do that over on our youtube community page you can also reach out to us anytime or on facebook instagram twitter or x whatever you want to call it uh but until next time that'll do it thank you all so much
2: bye will well Jana, thank you so much for joining us today i just I mean, you're you're one of our favorites because you just add a level of insight and context that is just so
0: hard to get. There just aren't that many people who are specialists on serial killers. Well, thank you. And this is such a great show. It's always my my pleasure to join you. Thank you. So where can people find you, find your book, um, all that? OK, my book is in some bookstores, but it's predominantly on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And then I am at J.D. Monroe Enterprises, www.J.D. Monroe Enterprises. Excellent. Okay. And we hope you'll come back
2: soon. You can uh, find me at Anna G. News, Anna with one N. You can find this episode, all of the episodes of our podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can sign up to receive our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. So... This is True Crime Daily, the podcast. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. And as we always say, don't do crime.